You're listening to the sermon podcast from Meadowbrook Church in Cheyenne, Wyoming, with Pastor Keith Miller. Well, good morning. Even though I can't see you, you can see me. Uh, it is good that we can gather together and just in fellowship in our in our homes. And so uh, I miss miss you, Meadowbrook. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day that we can all gather together and uh, celebrate the resurrection as, as a body, as a church family. Uh, I wanted to share a couple of, I guess, announcements. Uh, we ordered, I think, a thousand of these Easter uh, postcards just to, to hand out. Obviously, we're not going to be doing that. Uh, it looks like we're not going to be able to gather together for uh, I guess it's April 4th or April 12th for Easter services. But I want you to invite your, your friends, your loved ones, Facebook friends uh, to be able to join in on the live stream. We will have an Easter service. We will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, we'll just do it from our homes. We're also going to have a Good Friday service. Uh, that was the, the original plan was that we would gather here, do a Good Friday service and celebrate communion together. We're going to do that uh, you know, virtually, and so I want you to start planning on you know, the bread that you're going to use and whether you're going to use wine or grape juice in your home. We're going to celebrate communion together uh, by way of live stream, and so that will be Good Friday at 6 p.m. That's Friday at 6 p.m., so just be, just be looking for that. I'll have more information in, in the days to come. We are working on making our live stream also uh, available on Facebook. So we're working on that so that uh, on Facebook, our live stream is running simultaneously with the live stream on our website. So, so that's another thing. And then I think next week we'll have a TV that will be uh, next to me that you'll be able to, to see the words on the, on the screen instead of uh, the video zooming in and out. So all that uh, to, to say that, hey, we're on uncharted ground, and uh, we're in week two of our live stream worship service. Uh, at the end of our time together, when, before you, you uh, close down your laptop, shut down your digital device, uh, we have made it possible for mul- multiple ways for you to be able to give online. Uh, don't, don't forget uh, to do that. Uh, we so value your, your regular and faithful giving, it is being used uh, for the advancement of God's kingdom here in Cheyenne and, and abroad. So just wanted to put a plug in for that. If you have a Bible, uh, or if you don't have it with you, go grab it. You can grab it from somewhere in your home. And I want you to open up to Romans chapter 3. That's where we're going to be spending our time together. At the end of this message, I'm going to have special, two special guests come up and share uh, their story and what life has been like just navigating uh, a small business, we're doing, operating a small business in the wake of uh, COVID-19. So uh, that's coming at the end of my message. So if you could stand, in, even in your living rooms, to honor the reading of God's Word, we're just going to look at uh, a, a paragraph, really, in Romans chapter 3, beginning with verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest apart from the law, uh, 
although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus." God, I again just lift up you know, our, our, our eyes to you. We pray that you would speak to our hearts through your word. Encourage us. For those who are watching right now, who are just filled with anxiety, God, I pray that you will fill them with hope right now. For those who, who have loved ones who are suffering because they are affected by the COVID-19 virus, that you will, you will bring healing to our loved ones and to so many across this nation. And uh, God, I just ask that you would, during this time, that we would be able to pause and that you would remind us of who you are and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And for those that are watching who do not know your son yet, God, I pray that as they listen, that you will encourage their hearts and that they will be able to hear the gospel, the greatest news in the universe, with clarity in such a way that before they uh, shut down their digital device or their, or their computer or the TV, that they will uh, give their lives to you in faith. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So it's been, I've been thinking about this COVID-19 virus, and it dawned on me the other day that for the first time, at least in my experience, I am able to relate to what uh, the disciples of Jesus, you know, of Jesus and, uh, and Moses and, and all the saints that have gone before us, what they experienced every time they encountered somebody with leprosy or heard about somebody with leprosy. I don't know if you know this, but leprosy is a highly contagious disease that uh, is misunderstood to have just only to only affect the the skin and to cause deformities in the skin. But it's really a, a, a nerve a disease that attacks the nervous system that results in the nerves being deadened and so many other things happening to to the body as a result. It's a disease that's been around for thousands of years, and it wasn't until the 1950s that a cure was discovered. And that cure, from what I understand, is still being used today. But get a load of this. It takes 6 to 12 months to treat leprosy, to cure leprosy, through a series of multi-drug treatments uh, during those, those months. Uh, leprosy basically will, ca will cause disfigurement of the skin and bones, the twisting of limbs, uh, and curling of the, finger, the fingers uh, to the form the characteristic claw hand that you, you, you've seen on movies with people with leprosy. Facial changes, including thickening of the outer ear and the collapsing of one's nose. It is still a feared disease. It is still a very serious disease. In fact, uh, Moses... Uh, on behalf of God, spoke on behalf of God, shared with the Hebrew people that when somebody came down or contracted leprosy, 
you were to treat them in the following way. And I'll read this passage for you. It's Leviticus chapter 13. The words are on the screen. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose, and he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, Unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, those rules were not put there to to be mean to the person with leprosy. Those rules were there in the Mosaic Law and the Law of the Old Testament to protect the people from contracting the disease. In Numbers uh, chapter 5, we're, we're told about not just how you're to treat the person with leprosy, but how you were to treat any person who's unclean, whether, whether they were touched by, uh, they touched a corpse or, or they had some other ceremonial unclean, uncleanliness about them. This is what Numbers 5 says. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel that they put out of the camp everyone who was leprous or has a discharge, and everyone who is unclean through the contact with the dead. You shall put out both male and female, putting them outside the camp, that they may not defile their camp in the midst of which they dwell, or in the midst of which I dwell. And the people of Israel did so, and put them outside the camp, as the Lord said to Moses, so the people of Israel did. That's what we read in the Bible. And so it dawned on me, I said, you know, I, I was thinking to myself that this uh, COVID-19 pandemic has really resulted in us being shut down in our homes. If, uh, if somebody has contracted the virus, they're, they're under quarantine for at least a minimum of 14 days. If somebody has come in contact with somebody with a coronavirus, they're supposed to be in quarantine uh, for at least 14 days to see if any of the symptoms um, of the virus come about. Uh, it is a super virus that, as you know, and as I know, by, we know this now, that it is a serious virus. It is a dangerous virus. Uh, videos are now surfacing, though, that uh, of people defying the recommendations of the CDC and the World Health Organization by, this is crazy, I don't, I, like somebody said, not even on a good day would I do this, licking toilet seats. It was the coronavirus uh, challenge, which is insane. I just read that that person that was, video, that was filmed uh, contracted, or is now has, the coronavirus. I saw earlier this week somebody uh, holding a cell phone, claiming, and he was, he was uh, doing a live stream of himself in a Walmart. Where he said, I've just been, I've been diagnosed with the coronavirus. I don't care. Since I have it, everybody else is going to get it. Uh, we learned later that he was not being truthful about having the virus, but nonetheless, he was arrested. Um, it is a serious disease. I was in Hobby Lobby uh, the other day, and there was somebody not too far from us, a uh, family, and one of the family members was coughing, and, and, and you can hear the person sniffling, and I just thought to myself, man, I just wish that that person would just cry out, unclean, unclean. You know, like, I, I will never look at, or, or re- look at somebody who is coughing or sneezing the same way again. How about you? Like, even in your home, 
you're probably thinking to yourself, man, you, I mean, you're looking around, man, I, I hope my kid doesn't have, have a, a cough or you know, sniffling um, or it's going to be quarantine. You know? it's, just, it's just crazy. So for the first time, I think we can relate to somebody who, who had leprosy back in the days of Moses and Jesus. But here's the thing, and this is what I've been praying about. As we open up the scriptures together, what we're reminded of is that there's something, there's something much more dangerous than the COVID-19 virus. It is, and that is, it is sin. It's sin. We're reminded of that in the Bible. See, the reason why God had these laws, that if anybody was unclean, they were to be put outside the camp was not just for the safety of the people, but it was also a reminder that where the presence of God was, um, we, were to be re- we were reminded that we we're unclean, that all of us are unclean. Uh, leprosy was a stark reminder of the seriousness of sin, that if left untreated, it could have catastrophic uh, uh, repercussions on a person's life and, and, and their family. And, um, and so we're reminded, I think, once again, that, that we're potentially, you know, we are unclean physically. I mean, we don't know who has the, who has the virus. We're told, you know, it takes a couple weeks for you to even know that you have it, but during those two weeks, you're contagious Imagine what life would be like if you had people who were diagnosed with COVID-19 walking around screaming, unclean, unclean. And yet the Bible tells us that we're unclean, spiritually. We're told uh, of what that uncleanliness looks like in Romans chapter 3. And the words will be on the screen. It says, for we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin as it is written. And if you're, if you're at home and you're able to see the words on the screen, I'd like for you to read along as I read what we're told about ourselves, that none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asses under their lips their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to, sh- to shed blood. In their path are ruin and misery. And the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. And for the next five weeks, we're going to be looking in Romans. We're going to be unpacking Romans. I'm going to take each, each sermon point from last week, and we're just going to spend a whole Sunday on that. And this week, we're reflecting on, you know, we're redeemed to love in a world, in a COVID-19 world. But when we read Romans chapter 3, we're told who we were before faith in Jesus. And maybe some of you are here, you know, you're watching right now, and you don't know who Jesus is. This is who, we, who you are, according to the scriptures. Unclean. We were all born with a great problem. The psalmist you know, recognized this problem when he wrote this, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. And the, the right response that we ought to have before a holy God is unclean, unclean. We are unclean. 
But there's a remedy, and that's as we as we're in our homes and we're told not to go out unless it's absolutely necessary. Uh, we're reminded from the scriptures that God provided a remedy for our uncleanliness, our spiritual uncleanliness. There's a whole lot of talk about defeating COVID-19. That the COVID-19 will will not have the ultimate victory over America, and and I you know I, I believe that that's true. But there's one problem that, that we have no power in ourselves to defeat, and that is, that is sin, our sin problem. I, I just want to reflect on two, two truths in the Bible, but particularly in Romans chapter 3 that we discover. And the first is this, is that our problem is greater than our ability. Our problem is greater than our ability. Every job description, you know, if you remember applying for a job. Some of you are probably doing that now, um, maybe because you were laid off, maybe because you lost your job as a result of this pandemic. But every job description is a list of ex- expectations that a company has for the position that they're seeking to fill. And your resume is a document, right, that you know, when you type up your resume, it's a document that you submit in hopes of, of, of getting that job as a way of saying, hey, I'm qualified. I'm qualified to meet the expectations that you have set for this job position. When you craft your resume, you include not just the experiences of your past, but you may include you know, places that you've served, that you volunteered your time, uh, other experiences of your life that are relevant to maybe making you qualified for the job. May, you would include also on the resume, you include also on the resume, uh, a list of references of people who will validate that you are the most qualified person for, to meet the, the expectations of that particular comp- company that you're applying for. And God has a standard. He has a standard that has been set. And that standard is his own righteousness when it comes to uh, our ability to approach him and to have a relationship with him. In Romans chapter 1 through chapter 3, we're told that uh, we're all sinners and that we all fall short, as we'll see later in this passage, we all fall short of meeting God's standard of righteousness. And, uh, you know, the world will try to, you know, has this idea that, that, we, can, that, that we can do enough stuff to meet that standard uh, that, that we think... God has made, and they somehow dumbed down his standard, and that if we just do enough good things, uh, go to church enough, uh, treat our neighbors well enough, that the, uh, the time when we die, God will be somewhat obligated or somehow obligated to let us into his kingdom. But what we learn is that God has a standard, it, it's his own perfect righteousness, and the resume that every single one of us was born with is found in that passage I just read for you in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 18. A resume that basically says that, uh, that I am not only spiritually dead, but there is no desire in me to know God, that I am as far from God as I could possibly be, that I am as, I am as far from possibly meeting God's standard as, 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 as possible. Like I, There's no way I can meet his standard. I'm reminded that, um, that, that 
even though that is true of me, the message of Romans chapter 3 is that's not the end of our story. Like Romans chapter 3 verses 9 through 18 is not the end of our story. And, and there, there is good news. Even though our problem is greater than our ability, our ability, there is good news. It reminds me of a story, and perhaps you've heard of it, of uh, two twin brothers who were in the Italian mob. And they, they were known in their community for being the worst of the worst. They were known for being the, the most ruthless, violent, immoral men of their, in their community. Well, one of the brothers was murdered. And so the other brother, who uh, <clears throat> decided that you know, he wanted his brother to be not only buried, but he wanted a really nice funeral for his brother, went to the local priest who knew the two brothers, and he said, listen, uh, I want you to bury my brother, but in the funeral service, I want you to speak of my brother in such a way, that, in a way that you would describe any other saint. And if you do that, I will give you a large sum of money you know, that, you can give to the, that you can use for the church. And so the priest said, oh, okay, I, I can do that. So when the funeral uh, came... The priest stood up before a packed church and he said, the person who lays, who lays before you, who is now deceased, was the most ruthless, the most immoral person, the most violent person I have ever met, but compared to his brother, he was a saint. That's us. <laughs> we tend to compare ourselves to, you know, to, uh, you know, uh, I'm not Hitler, or I'm not the, the, you know, the person who, who, who robbed the store down the street. I, I haven't done those kind of things. I'm not cheating, cheating on my wife. Uh, I, I'm okay. And the Bible says, we're not okay. We all have the same problem. We all have the same problem. Tim Keller shared a story. I was listening to uh, one of his podcasts earlier this week, and he shared this story about sin and, and death. And he said, you know, if a person dies from, uh, and I'll just, I'll just paraphrase what he said, if a person dies because they choked to death and, and, and another person dies because he was mauled by a lion, the reality is, is they're both dead. One just died in a more ugly way than the other. And, uh, and, and so same thing with sin. We, treat, we tend to treat our sin as, as, as not that serious. And Romans, the Apostle Paul in Romans is letting, letting us know it is serious. It is much more deadly than COVID-19, leprosy, cancer, or any other disease out there. It is much more serious than even physical death. And the standard of God's perfect righteousness is seen in the Ten Commandments. You know, uh, Isaiah chapter 64, if you're taking notes, verse 6 says this, that uh, we have all become like one who is unclean. Uh, read this, and you're, you know, read this, read this together with me. Uh, we have all, we've all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like polluted, like a polluted garment. Think about what that is saying. In Romans chapter three, verse twenty-three, Paul makes it very clear: all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the purpose of the Old Testament law was to remind us of that, that we fall short, that our resume, the one that we were born with, falls so terribly short from, from meeting God's righteous demands. 
In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 24. He says, you know, the law was our guardian. It was like a, a schoolmaster. It, it was our guardian. I mean, we're all kind of longing for the day when our kids can go back to school. But it, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. Do you know what the law did for us? It, it, it reminded us of how far short we fall from meeting God's standard. Jesus said, hey, if you think that you're really good, let me ask you this question. How many of you have lusted after another person? Because you may say that you've never committed adultery, but if you lusted after another person, you've committed adultery in your heart. And then Jesus, Jesus said, how many of you, you know, say that you know, you've never committed murder, but let me ask you this question. Have you ever hated somebody? Like really hated somebody, and if you and if you're guilty of that, you're guilty of murder. The New Testament says if you broke one of the commandments, you're guilty of breaking them all, and that's why our problem is greater than our ability to resolve our problem. We need a cure that is outside ourselves, and that is the 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 beauty of the gospel, we, that the cure is greater than our problem. The good news of the gospel is that. God provided a cure for us. He provided a solution for our sin problem. Um, there is one whose resume is perfect, who obeyed every law that there was to obey of God, who lived the perfect life, and that is Jesus. And the whole, the whole point of the gospel is that we, if you're going to use the resume illustration, we need a resume that is not our own a resume that, that we can receive, that can be ours, even though we didn't earn it, that can be ours so that we can stand before God in a way that meets his, his righteous demands, his, his standard. And, and, Jesus, and we're told that God provided that for us, that God so loved what? The world, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. We are cursed, but there is one who is the cure, and that cure is all that we need. I think, I mean, if during this season of being stuck at home, during this season of wondering if the person, you know, down, down the hall or, or in the aisle at the grocery store is coughing, and you're not sure if that person is contagious, if you're not sure if that person's, you know, clean, um, during this season, we ought to just be able to, we ought to step back and remind ourselves of what does it mean to be the church? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? And what it first and foremost means is that for those who have placed their faith and trust in Jesus have received the cure for our greatest problem, that Jesus lived the life that we could never live and he died the death that we all deserved. We are unclean. But there is one who has the ability to make us clean. We are unrighteous, but there is one who was perfectly and is perfectly righteous. And that cure is a gift, we're told in Romans. It's a gift that God has provided for us. I mean, you think about it. He, goes, he says in, in, um, in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And, and then in verse 24, And are justified by his grace as a gift, meaning there's nothing you could do to earn it. There's nothing that you could do to, to, to pay for it. Uh, all of it is a gift. And that's why Jesus had to live the life that we could never live. This is the news that our world needs to hear. You know, I was watching, uh, I, I think it was 
two weeks ago, uh, uh, the lady who stars as Wonder Woman, um, you know, and a, a host of other uh, stars sang a line, they just sang different lines to the song Imagine by John Lennon. And one line, one of the lines in there is, imagine there is no heaven. And, and that is, I was sharing with, with the team here this, this morning, that is the most godless song that I've ever heard. And it has nothing to offer by way of hope to a world that is, that is scared and locked in their homes because of a, of a pandemic. There is a heaven. And, and, there, and there is a, a, a way that God has made that we can be reconciled to him so that we can be in heaven, so that we can have our sins forgiven. And the world needs to hear this. You know, he, Paul says in verses 25, or verses 24 and 25, that we are justified by his grace as a gift. And what is the result of that gift? Redemption. You know, it's an important word. Redemption means to, to buy back, to, to, to redeem, to reclaim. To, in the Bible, it's a picture of being made new. The Bible says that anybody who is, whose, whose faith and trust rests in Jesus is a new creation. The old is gone. It's in the past. The new has come. We are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus and it goes on to say, who God put forward, if you're using the English Standard Version, uh, the word that's used here is propitiation, that God put forward as a propitiation. It's a, an important theological word. It means payment. That God put forth a payment on our behalf, and, and that payment was in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I've said this before to you, Meadowbrook, that, that when Jesus hung on the cross, he became all of our sin. All of our sin he became. All the ugly stuff, the stuff that you're afraid to even tell your spouse about, Jesus became. He became that for you, and he became that for me. That's what that word means, propitiation. How did God, how did he make Jesus the payment for our sin? By his blood. And how do we receive the forgiveness that is the result of that? By faith. Just simply receiving it. When I think of my salvation and, when, and how it is that Jesus' righteous resume became my own resume, how his righteousness became my righteousness, uh, I, I, there are two things that I think of. One, the Bible says that Jesus stands on our behalf uh, before the throne of God and, and John Bunyan said it this way. He said, you know, when he was contemplating the gospel, it dawned on him that no matter what he did or no matter what he didn't do, that his righteousness is perfect all the time because his faith and trust was in the one who was completely righteous, who stands before God 24-7 on our behalf. I, I, I've, I've said this that no matter how many times you've read your Bible this week or how many times you've not read your Bible this week, no matter how many times you've prayed, no matter how many times you've not prayed this week, the Bible tells us that if your faith and trust, not just with your head, but your heart, is genuinely resting in this, what Jesus did on your behalf, then your righteousness is perfect all the time. The second thing I was thinking of when I was thinking about this passage is, man, just... The way Jesus interacted with people who were unclean. 
I challenge you, like, read through one of the Gospels. Read through the Gospel of Luke sometime this week. And what you will discover is that any time somebody who was unclean, ceremonially unclean, considered unclean by the community around that person, uh, any time Jesus encountered somebody who was unclean, he touched them. He, when he didn't have to, like we, you know, that there were, there were circumstances or situations in Jesus' life where he just commanded people to be healed and they were healed. He just commanded fish and bread to multiply, and it did. Like, he had the ability to cure people. Like, there was this guy who was paralyzed um, for, for, for all of his life, and his friends lowered him down through a roof. You can read about this in Mark. He, they lowered him down through this, this poor person's roof, and Jesus, you know, said, your sins are forgiven. Now get up, take up your mat, and, and, and walk. So we know Jesus didn't have to touch people who were ceremonially unclean or physically unclean because of leprosy, but every time he touched them, every time. And the point is this, is that we are unclean. And the only remedy to our uncleanliness is to be touched by the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm reminded of a story where Jesus, in Luke chapter 5, encountered a leper. A leper. Actually, a leper came to Jesus. And I'm going to read that story for you, uh, and I think the words are on the screen. But it says, While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand. Notice this. He reached out his hand, and he touched the man, and then he said, I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. And then we're told, you know, the news about Jesus spread and everybody was just going nuts over Jesus. Can, can you picture how the disciples must have responded and all those who were around Jesus may have responded when that leprous person came towards Jesus and they were commanded that as, when they were around other people, they were to cry out, unclean, unclean. Now, I don't know if this man was crying out, unclean, unclean, but it was very obvious he was unclean, that he had leprosy. And there was no cure for it, except for Jesus. There was no cure for it. And when he came and he approached the disciples, I can just picture the disciples just stepping back, running back, like uh, you would if you had a dog coming at you, afraid to be bit. In this case, they were afraid of death. They got this leprous disease. They too would be forced to be, live outside of the city, outside of the community. But this man heard about Jesus and he pursued Jesus. And as he got closer, he begged Jesus. He got on his face and he begged Jesus, if you're willing, I know you can make me clean. Can you imagine you know, what other people may have been saying around Jesus? We're not told what they were saying. But I, I can imagine they were saying, what right do you have to come to this teacher? Get out of here. You don't belong here. You belong in the place where the dogs are. You belong outside the city. And Jesus said, I am willing. And then I, I, I kind of imagine that as the disciples are watching in horror, 
as Jesus reached out his hand, maybe they weren't saying it audibly, maybe they were afraid, but I, I know inside they were saying, don't do it, Jesus. Don't touch him. If you touch him, you will be unclean. You will be unclean. Don't do it. Don't do it. And Jesus reached out and he touched the man. And after touching him, he said, be clean. Now that's a story of me. And that's a story of you. That's us. If it weren't for the great love of God who sent his son to live the life that we could never live, to die in our place, man, we would be unclean. Your worst problem, if you're not a believer in Jesus, your biggest problem is not COVID-19. Your biggest problem is that you need to be reconciled to a God that you have sinned against, that, 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 that he has every right to judge you, and, and, and the rightful judgment is condemnation. It is hell. But he has provided a way for you to, go to, to have your uncleanliness made clean. He's provided a way for you to be made clean because of what Jesus did on the cross. He bled for you on that cross. He bled for me on that cross, and he died in your place and in my place. Jesus could have just said to the man, be clean, without ever touching him, but he touched him. Because that is our Savior. That's what he does. And uh, maybe, maybe as you're listening to this, maybe you're in a place spiritually, you're in a place physically where you, you, the right response for you right now is to pray to God if you're willing. I know you can make me clean because of what Jesus did on the cross for my sins. And the, 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 what the scriptures shout and what Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 26 shouts is I am willing, I am willing, be clean, be clean. The Bible says this, it declares it. It says, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is the gospel, brothers and sisters and friends. That is the gospel. That is good news. That's what you need to hear today. It, that is the news that our world needs to hear. Beyond just the cure for COVID-19, it needs to hear that there is a cure for our sin and that cure can only be found in and through Jesus Christ, period. And... Uh, what did Jesus say to the man after he cleansed him? He said, hey, now go show yourself to the priest and show them that there is one who can make lepers clean. I think he's saying the same thing to us. He said the same thing to his disciples. I mean, think about it. After Jesus died on the cross, he was buried. And on the third day, what did he do? Rise. And after he rose, he appeared to his disciples. And, and when he appeared to his disciples, what did he say? Go. Go, therefore, Go to, into the world and make disciples of all nations and show them that there is one who can make those who are unclean, clean. There is one who can reconcile sinners to a God that we were made to know and made to enjoy, a God who, whose image we bear. And, and why, why did, did, did Jesus do this? Why did God do it this way? We're told in verse 26, 
It says it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he, God, might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Period. That's why. You want to know why he does, <clears throat> why he's done it this way? To display this, his glory, his character, who he is, that he is a God who is perfect in his goodness, perfect in his love, perfect in his justice, perfect in his holiness. And he has a standard of righteousness that is his own, that none of us can meet on our own. We need one whose righteousness is equal to that. And that's why Jesus was born. That's why he lived the life that we could never live. That's why he died in our place. And that's why he rose on the third day. And that is the message our world needs to hear. And the Bible says that when you embrace that message, when you have received the gospel, not only does Jesus tell you to go, and show yourself to the world. But uh, the evidence of that is not just, the evidence that that has happened in your life is not just a love for God, it is also a love for your neighbor. It is a, it's a love for those in our community. You know, that, that, that the two, you know, when Jesus was asked, you know, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And he didn't stop there. He said, and the second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, he said, on these two commandments depend the entire law. And when Jesus lived the life that we could never live and died the death that we deserved and rose on the third day, validating all that, you know why he did that? So that we can love God the way we were made to love him and love our neighbors as ourselves. And that is, that's, I, I couldn't think of any other way to encourage your heart this week, but just to remind you of the gospel, to remind myself of the gospel. Jesus is a Savior who touches the unclean and removes, removes the uncleanliness of us and makes us clean. Amen? Thank you for listening to the Meadowbrook Church Podcast. For more information about our church, visit meadowbrook.org.